Hello, everybody, and welcome to the brand new Just Work podcast. I'm here with Ernest Adams, and I'm Hello, Kim Scott. everyone. Hello. Nice to see you. Great to see you, Ernest. So what Ernest and I talked about doing is reading a couple of pages from Just Work and then talking about it. A lot of people have said that this is a book that's kind of hard to read, and maybe it would be nice to break it down into little chunks. So that's a hard is topic, what, Kim. It's a hard yeah, topic. Yeah, it is. It yeah, was. It yeah. was hard to write. It's hard to read. We're going to make it easy. And one of the one of the bits of feedback that I got after a radical. If you write a book about feedback, you're going to get a lot of it. And some of the <laughs> most frequent feedback I got about the Radical Candor audio book is that people hate the sound of my voice. So Ernest has kindly agreed to uh, to read a couple of pages from Just Work, and then we'll chat about it. All right, Ernest, over to you. Okay, great. So everyone forgive me here in my reading skills. Please don't judge. Um, so uh, we're going we're gonna to come from part one, the root causes of workplace injustice. Um, and this is about bias, prejudice, and bullying, how to confront each effectively. What gets in the way of basic fairness at work, in my experience, there are three root causes of workplace injustice, bias, prejudice, and bullying. Each is different and must be considered separately if we are to come up with the most effective ways to combat each. When a power imbalance is present, things get much worse quickly. Discrimination, harassment, and physical violations occur. We'll consider these problems in part two. Let's start by examining how to root, how to root out the root causes. And so when we talk about problems, <clears throat> before we begin, let me offer some super short definitions and a simple framework to help keep us oriented in a problem that can be very disorienting. Bias is not meaning it. Bias, often called unconscious bias, comes from the part of our mind that jumps to conclusions, usually without our even being aware of it. These conclusions and assumptions aren't always wrong, but they are often, but they often are, especially when they reflect the stereotypes. We do not have to be, <clears throat> we do not have to be helpless victims of our brains. We can learn to slow down and question our biases. Prejudice is meaning it. Unfortunately, when we stop to think, we don't always come up with the best answer either. Sometimes we rationalize our biases and they harden into prejudices. In other words, we justify our biases rather than challenging their flawed assumptions and stereotypes. Bullying is being mean. The intentional repeated use of in-group status or power to harm or humiliate others. Sometimes bullying comes with, with prejudice, but often it's more instinctive behavior. There may be no thought or ideology at all, at all behind it. It can be a plain or just an animal instinct to dominate, to coerce. So let's talk a little bit about the responses. The most effective responses match the problem we're trying to solve. To root out bias, prejudice, and bullying, we must respond to each differently. In my experience, when people's bias are pointed out to them, they, to, when people biases are pointed out to them clearly and compassionately, they usually correct them and apologize. Prejudice, however, is a conscious and ingrained belief. People don't change their prejudices simply because someone points them out. Holding up a mirror doesn't help. People like what they see. What's important is to draw a clear boundary between people's right to believe whatever they want and their freedom to impose their prejudices on others. Bullying has to incur real consequences to be stopped. If bullies were swayed by being aware of the harm they were doing to the people they were bullying, they wouldn't be treating other people badly in the first place. Usually, they are trying to hurt someone. 
pointing out the pain they're inflicting doesn't make them stop and may even encourage them to double down. All right. So what do you think? You and I had a couple of conversations about like this difference between bias and prejudice. Tell me what you think. You know, look, I I think um, I think it's really important to understand the brain when we talk about this. And that's and that is, you know, the word bias has gotten, I think, in, in our in our humanity has gotten a really negative judgment attached to it. But when you yeah. understand the brain, bias is our brain taking shortcuts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? It's like, it's what Daniel Kahneman says in Thinking Fast yes. and Slow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And our brains are built to be efficient. Yeah. So ultimately taking shortcuts is what our brains do. And so I think when you understand that, you know, bias is really like, you don't even know that you're doing it. You know, you walk down a dark, you walk down a street at night, you're not going to walk down a dark alley. Right, yeah. you don't make yeah. a conscious thought to do that, but that's a bias. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> In that moment, right? And so I think it's really important to say biases are no judgment attached to it. I'm not doing this because I'm a bad person. Yeah, or I'm not doing it because I really believe what my yes. action or the word I just chose would might imply that I believed. If but exactly. if I stop and think about it, I'm not going to double down. I'm not going to say yeah, like that's prejudice. Like if that's I, prejudice. If, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I think, you know, you said something really interesting. We were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago. You said, you know, I thought of, of their, their unconscious biases and conscious biases. And I, mm-hmm. I thought conscious bias was kind of prejudice. So do you think it's useful to like not use the word bias at all when it, when it, when it uh, is referring to something that's conscious? A hundred percent. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think, you know, Growing up as a little black boy in this country, I really, you were taught that black people can't be racist is what we were taught because there was a power dynamic that was associated with the system of racism and that black people were not sitting in a system of power. And so then we were taught black people can be prejudiced, but not necessarily racist. And I always grappled with really understanding kind of who can be prejudiced and who can be racist and when do those things come to life. But I think this is a really nice outline to say bias is unconscious, prejudice is you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know? And I think, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, this is another thing that I'd be interested in your, in your thoughts on growing up as a, as a little white girl. um, (laughs) I think that often, you know, the, what I would say sexism felt very different from misogyny. Not that I had Mm -hmm. those when I was, when I was a child, yeah. Uh, but, but there were times when someone said something that kind of reflected a system. So I mm-hmm. like, I don't think I, you know, I can be sexist, mm-hmm. but I certainly can be, can be biased against women, can, can Absolutely. have, can jump to conclusions that yeah. are, are biased. Um, and I guess there have been times maybe when I've worked for women who mm-hmm. did things that I would say were, were, you know, discriminatory. And now, 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 once we layer power into the, you know, on top yes. of bias or prejudice, then all of a sudden we get discrimination. Then all of a sudden we get the system and those things were sexist. Absolutely. Uh, I hope. Well, I, you know, and and I would say there were times that I talk about them much later in the book when, when I did tolerate some bullying or even harassing behavior as yes. a woman leader, 
and I shouldn't have, you know, and so <laughs> now was I doing the, you know, I was, I was participating Part in the something, it, yes. you know, yes, I hate yes. to say that I never intended to, but I of did. Of course, of course. Um, and of course. so, yeah, I think it's really, really important. Um, yeah, I, I, I spot on Kim. I, I can't, I don't know that I've had instances where I participated in prejudice of black people. Well, I, I probably have, I absolutely probably have, but I think more so even being gay, you know, I was just talking yeah. about this with some friends of mine this past weekend when I can think of very specific instances in college where my friends were not nice to people who they thought were gay. And I never stood up on behalf of those people who were being um, called out as gay. And I have yeah. a lot of regret around that because I was participating and active in the bullying that was happening as a gay man myself, but I was not out at that yeah. time. And so yeah. there was really, you know, it's it's interesting. It's a lot of um, prejudice even that gay people sometimes have before we come out um, yeah. in our own minds about our about our own groups of people. Yeah. Um, and that that yeah. for me is even more poignant um, sometimes than, than the race dynamic for me. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry that happened. I mean, I, I think that, but also I admire your ability to notice it. And like, we can't do right if we won't notice what we're doing wrong, you know? Yes. Yes. And, yes. and all of us do think, you know, we, we all, I don't think anybody is, you know, from the time they're seven years old, the person they want to be, or yes. you know, but we're becoming the people we want to be. And, and I think, applying a growth mindset to these mm -hmm. issues that feel very uh, emotional. And, you know, it's like, I want to be a certain kind of, I want to be a good person. Like yeah, <laughs> if yeah, I boil yeah. it down to the simplest possible <laughs> frame and I'm not always good. Like I do some yeah. bad things and yeah. I can't get better if I won't acknowledge the, the, you know, the bad, the bad things. Um, of course, of course. And, and, and yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, what's really interesting also, again, going back to the science of the brain is, 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 is understanding how neural pathways work. And when you really think about it, it's really difficult for us to interrupt a neural pathway that our brain has been working off of when we're in yes. a moment of stress, stress or tension. It's almost yeah. impossible, right? Yeah. And the only times that you can interrupt that are before you walk into that moment of stress or after, right? Mm -hmm. And so the mm -hmm. reflective thinking, number one, is so critical for people, for humans, for leaders to do because- you can then think back. You be, you can then begin to practice. The next time I'm in that te that tense meeting, or the next time I'm around this person or this group of friends, I know that I'm going to be something's going to come up that's going to challenge me, and yeah. I'm going to have to choose a different behavior in that moment, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think again, that's just really important for us as as human beings to really think about that and understand there's work behind this. Yeah, and I think also the like with bias, I I find it really impossible for me to become sitting alone in my room aware of my unconscious yes. bias. Like yes. I need yes. other people. I need, <laughs> I need other people for that. I yes. need someone to hold up a mirror and I need to make it uh, as uh, I need to reward people for holding mm -hmm. up that mirror because people <laughs> take a risk when they hold up that mirror. And if you don't reward them richly, they're never going to hold that mirror up again. That's right. And, That's right. And so I'd love to get your thoughts like on sort of the, the, one of the ideas and, and you have uh, uh, an yeah. incredible career in, in, in HR, uh, which yeah. I do not. Um, so, so I would love to get your thoughts. One of the things in the book, and we'll, I'm sure talk about this more 
that I recommend is, is for bias to create a bias disruptor. And you yes. need to disrupt bias in the meeting because if you just let it go and pull the person aside quietly later, the bias gets reinforced. Mm-hmm. And so, so the idea of the bias disruptor is, first of all, shared vocabulary. I like to wave a purple flag. In fact, I have one here on my desk. <laughs> uh, but the, the key thing is like whatever words or phrases your team would feel, you could borrow language from Daniel Kahneman. Yes. You could use an I statement. I don't think you meant that the way it sounded. Uh, but you want to come up with a catchphrase so that it's a little bit easier for people to f- to flag the bias because it's it's awkward, you know. Yes. And we've got to yeah. build uh, build the the muscle to do this. And and then the second thing, the second part of bias disruption is helping everyone learn to say thank you for pointing it out. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about I don't know about you, Ernest, but when someone points out that I've said or done something biased. I feel ashamed yeah, and I feel, I can tell you like where I feel it in my body. I feel a tingling in the back of my knees. It's the mm-hmm. same sensation that I get if my kids walk too close to the edge of a precipice. Yes. And, uh, and, and I rarely respond at my best when I'm, yes. <laughs> when I'm in shame brain, I'm kind of in fight or flight mode. Of course. And so teaching people to say, thank you for pointing it out. And either I get it, I'll work on not doing it again, or I don't get it. I'm yeah. sorry, but I don't get it. Can you tell me after the meeting? And like right. that second thing is really hard for me, at least to say, because like I'm ashamed because I've hurt someone and I'm ashamed because I'm ignorant. I don't know what I did wrong. Yeah. And so teaching I, people that we're all have those, have you ever had a moment like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it, I think it's critical. I think the other thing that goes along with this is, is teaching people about intent versus impact, right? And yeah. really making sure that people understand because part of the way you help alleviate that shame is if you create a culture where you say, we're going to assume good intent yeah, behind what people are saying, even when they are saying biased things, right? Yeah. Because again, yeah. if we go back to how we were defining bias here, we're unaware of yeah. what we're doing and we assume good intent that creates an opportunity for us to wave our purple flag or yeah. throw our, our, our fuzzy elephant across the room. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and then that person can say, oh, wow. Okay, let me stop. Let me pause. Let me acknowledge that I might have said something that was offensive here. Yeah, and and then we've and then Brene Brown is going through my main my brain because you know she talks about shame being tied to that situation, not to the person. You know yeah. and how we carry shame and shame yeah. shame should be in that moment, but not to that person. Yeah, and not to really yeah. personalize. I think is so important. Yeah. But I think yeah. the other thing Kim I would point out around bias interrupters, which I think is so fantastic, is depending on what culture you're in around the world where you may not be able to speak up. There are certain cultures where speaking up against a person who's in higher position of power yeah. than you or a position of authority. When you create the culture to say, we're going to have a bias interrupter, it could be something as simple as I'm going to raise my my Zoom hand or yeah. I'm going to put up a Zoom picture or something like that. Yeah. It, it now creates opportunities for, for, ver- for cultures all around the world to be able to tap into this and link into it and not yeah. steal power away from another person. Yeah, yeah. And I think the it's really important to be able to speak truth to power, but it's also really it's difficult. Uh and and the other thing is that if you are a person who has some authority in the room, you may not think of yourself as intimidating or hard yes. to speak, you know, but you are. You're, and yeah. it's maybe not you, but your position, the power yes all of a sudden is introducing sort of a dangerous fog to the situation because people are now not telling you stuff. And so if you do have some power authority, 
you're better off knowing than not knowing, right? I, look, Kim, I get it all the time. I'm a big black, big black guy who who's pretty gregarious. And I, I think myself as very inviting to people, but I will have people who are close to me in work settings will say to me, you realize that you're very intimidating right now to be able to talk to. Because when I go into kind of big personality earnest, you know, yeah. it is, it fills up a room. And so I think, I think having that space for bias interrupters is such an important, important thing. Yeah. It's so interesting because I, I am a small white woman. Uh, yeah. For those of you listening, you can't see me. Uh, I'm like barely five feet tall. And at one point in my career, I had an HR person come and tell me that I was intimidating to my team. <laughs> and there's no reason, by the way, like, let's let's dive in on the biases yes. here. Like, yes, yes. Because this is a problematic story for me to tell. Because if I say, little old, you know, like, all of a sudden, I'm playing into um, to all kinds of stereotypes that I really mm-hmm. do not want to play into. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I want to be careful about how I'm telling this story. I've gotten some feedback on this story, mm-hmm. but, but my, the, my point is that I did not perceive myself as intimidating. intimidating. I perceive, uh, yeah, I, I perceive myself as a person who had struggled to be taken seriously all her career. Yeah. And, uh, and so when the HR person told me this, I was very skeptical and the HR person said, go into the room and tell your team to do something that you know is impossible and see Mm. if they push back notice whether they push back or not and so i took her suggestion and indeed they did not push back and i was like wow you know i Uh there's a problem here and i need and it's you know it's i need to address the problem i need to make it i need to reward again it's about rewarding the you know the candor rewarding people for holding up that mirror. I want to go back to something else you said, though, also, because I think it's really important and useful to assume mm-hmm. good intent of others. Yeah. I think it makes it easier to go through the world. However, uh, I also think it's really, that can be weaponized. People can 100%. say something incredibly <laughs> offensive and 100%. then say, assume good intent. And that's... Yes. So how do you think about that? How do you how do you manage through that? Well, look, I would say, you know, you look at this from multiple levels. I think as a as a leader of of people or or a leader of teams, you you can really only if you do things multiple times, you <laughs> you offend people yeah. multiple times, you're going to lose people. They're not going to assume good intent because you're not yeah. doing the work to yeah. really try to to try to change that. And as you're if you are a person who's been hurt or been yeah. marginalized, Right, assuming good intent, particularly of a person who you've seen, who yeah. is prejudiced or is bullying, yeah. right? Yeah. It's re- it's really really hard to do. So I think I think you know assuming good intent works really really well in new situations when you walk into a new boss, you have a new team member, you have a new friend, you know, assuming good intent. But people begin to show you who they are, and yeah. in those moments, right, we have to believe them, as Maya Angelou said. So yeah. so I really <laughs> so, oh, so so. That is- I think about that all the time and I fail on that dimension. All I don't, I just can't believe that someone actually, you know, believes that or is being so mean, you know, I just, but you got to believe it. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. So I think that assuming good intent works well in the beginning of situations, but if a person has presented over and over again, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, it's, it's a good idea to assume good intent until you get other, other, uh, exactly, other information. Exactly. Exactly. And I think if you say something and someone is upset by it, 
I think it's not legit to demand that the other person assume good into like it's your it's your at that point when you've gotten some feedback, you want to reward the feedback by listening to what the person said <laughs> and taking it on board, you know, and yeah. not getting super defensive and and insisting that others assume assume good intent of others, but don't insist that they is, ins- assume, assume good, good intent good, of good you. Intent. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you know, it's funny when you talk about the mirror holding the mirror up. Um, I would always tell people when I teach diversity classes, I say, if you don't believe you have any biases, mm-hmm. go home, pour a glass of wine for your significant other or whoever matters most to you in your life. Yeah, and sit down with them over a glass of wine and say, when this subject comes up, how do I come across? And I say, and yeah. just sit back and put the bottle right beside you because you're going to need to pour <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> into your own glass several times as you really, you know. So I guess in that moment, Kim, wine is the motivator um, yeah. and, the re- and the reward. <laughs> yeah, well, or you need a little bit of maybe, uh, you know, anesthesia. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it can yeah. be really helpful. Absolutely. It can be very helpful. It can be very Absolutely. helpful. Absolutely. I think, I think bias interrupters are just a really, really powerful, powerful thing. So let's talk for a second about prejudice because, uh, yeah. because, you know, holding up a mirror is not going to work in the case of prejudice because the person's going to like what they see. They're going to double yes. down, you know, and that, that is infuriating actually mm-hmm. when the person mm-hmm. doubles down. And I think to the extent that I have uh, defaulted to silence too often, it's because it's when- sometimes it's sometimes, no, it's sometimes because I want to believe it's bias, but I'm afraid uh. if I, if I point it out, I'm going to learn is not bias. The person really believes yeah. that BS. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you wh- what what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I, I would say I'm probably a little bit opposite from you, Kev. Where <laughs> <laughs> I be- I believe it very quickly um, that a person is prejudiced because unfortunately I've seen a yeah, good amount exper- of it. Um, I've experienced it. Um, yeah. But you know, I think um, all too often um, working in HR. You know, we sometimes don't pull the code of conduct quick enough. Yeah, we don't pull these tools that are embedded into the organizational structure and governance to really protect employees quick enough for lots yeah. of reasons, right? It could be because this is a great employee or a great performer. This is a long tenured employee, but yeah. you know what? They're prejudiced, and they continue to show us that they're prejudiced, and so we need to abide by those by those governance rules that we have set forward yeah. in the company. Yeah, and I think and the, pull, or pulling the law, code of conduct at the very least. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, so you know, like I, I think codes of conduct are incredibly important. I've been working with a lot of startups and and making sure those code of conducts are are implemented very quickly and and everybody knows from the moment that they join the organization that they're there because those guardrails are really important and people have to understand there's consequences, which yeah. I know bleeds into bleeds it bleeds a bit into bullying, but yeah. there sometimes is a fine line between prejudice and bullying. Yes, yes, there absolutely is. I'll tell you a story about about prejudice, and, and and maybe this helps. Like, because this was a moment where I wanted to believe that it was bias, and that okay. and then then I said something, and then I found out, lo and behold, it was not. It was prejudice. So yes. I was sitting in a meeting, sort of chit chatting with a guy before the meeting started, sitting in a conference room, and this guy said to me, oh, and I had recently contacts. I had recently had kids. I'd recently had kids. And this guy said to me, and recently come back from maternity leave. So I was, you know, I was in a, in a certain mindset. And this guy said to me, oh, my wife doesn't work because it's better for the children, you know, which was like a stab to the heart. But I, I assumed good intent. I assumed he didn't mean it. And so I tried to make a little joke and I said, oh, 
I decided to show up at work today because I wanted to neglect my children, you know, <laughs> and I was expecting him to sort of apologize and we would move on. No, that's not what happened. He doubled down and he said, mm -hmm. oh, Kim, it's really not a good idea for you to be coming to work. Like, it's really, I've yeah. got all these studies, you know, so, so now this is, I held up the mirror and he yep. grinned, it, you know, he's, yeah. he doubled, he doubled down. And so I think the, my response, well, my response at the, here's what I should have said. Let's not talk about yeah. what I actually said, <laughs> which was kind of, you know, not as much as I should have said. But I think this is where that code of conduct really helps. Because what, mm -hmm. what I should have said, what I could have said was, it is an HR violation for you to tell me that I'm showing, I'm neglecting my children by showing up mm -hmm. at work today. Mm -hmm. And an it statement like that and a code of conduct kind of makes it clear where the line is. One person, he can believe whatever he wants. Yes. And I, I didn't really want right. to engage with him on his beliefs, but he can't impose those beliefs on me. Uh, yes. either verbally or, you know, there was also a possibility that he would not assign certain clients to me if I mm -hmm. had to travel since he thought he knew what I should and shouldn't do. Yeah. He's yeah. raising, you know, so, so I was, and I was very grateful to work at a company where there was an yeah. HR pop, where it was a violation. You know, I, yes. I, I, I think in other cases you can appeal to the law Mm -hmm. And, um, or, or, you know, you can appeal to common sense. It is ridiculous for you to tell me how to raise my children, uh, <laughs> if, if I didn't have either the law or the HR policy on my side. Yeah. Like, I think that's right. And I also think a lot of times what I see is people are, um, there's fear, there's intimidation, why people won't bring those it statements forward. Right. Because yeah. it's obvious this person has a belief that is now yeah. different from your own. Yeah. Which, you know, many times that belief is exerted in a, in a way and through power. And yeah. so therefore, you know, to, you know, that's, that would have been very bold to say it is against company policy, yeah. you know, for you to say to me, but, but that is the right thing because I tell people yeah. all the time when you walk away and now that person got to say that yeah, and then now it's off their plate, but yeah. you're left it, to deal with it. And it's yes. running around in my head all day exactly. long. Exactly. Exactly. And so the immediate response to that, though, is to immediately create a situation for that person where yeah. now it's running through their head. Their head all day long. Their head yeah. all day long, right? And I think that's the most important thing about it is how do you how do you turn the tables in that? Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. I could let it go and go about my day. Uh, exactly. And, and also, I mean, you know, if I wanted to give him a, a little bit of uh, credit or help, you know, it's helpful to him. Like he's going to get in yeah. bigger trouble at some point. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. if I don't point it out. So, so it's, it's actually in service of both of us for him to know, assuming that he didn't want to violate the policy, um, yeah. which, you know, uh, again, maybe I'm assuming good intent, which maybe is a privilege of that. I'm able to assume good intent so often, uh, That's I, true. you know, I haven't That's true. probably experienced as much prejudice, uh, That's true. I mean, I think, I think the other piece with this cam, I think, you know, I, I, I always, you know, love when a person acknowledges privilege, whether it be a man, man, whether it be a white person, whomever, when acknowledging privilege, I think that is part of our humanity growing forward and moving forward. But I would also say the emotional tax, right, that comes yeah. along with with having been on the on the on the the negative end of of, of prejudice. Yeah. Um, I think that the shorter we can shorten that emotional tax period is critical, yes. and that's that is how we move forward as humanity because. 
right now, I think there's so many folks who continue to deal with that emotional tax, walk away, yeah. it runs in their brains instead of using yeah. an id statement and instead of calling forward those codes of conduct and those rules and those laws that are built to help protect us when yeah. we can, when we can. Yeah. Yeah. Built to protect us and also built to help us get shit done fast and fair. I mean, like, <laughs> like it's not good for an organization's productivity to have a bunch of people like paying this unfair mental tax. And it is yeah. an unfair mental tax. I, it, like it's not good for for my productivity. And if he's going to keep doing that to the other women he works with, he's going to do more, more damage more than good on the team, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. So, yes. so I think it's really important. Well, I think we're about time. Maybe next time we can, we can do, we can do a bit of a deeper dive bullying. on bullying. We didn't get to yeah. bullying. And, uh, and that's an important topic. I think a lot of people have, uh, have experienced that unfortunately and experience it like on a daily basis. So exactly, exactly. Well, thanks for having me, Kim. This was great. I'm looking forward to more conversations as we uh, we dig into Just Work. Thank you so much. Really, I always love talking with you, Ernest. Uh, and I'm sure other people are going to enjoy joining in our conversations. Can't wait. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.